the future of photography. Hey, hello and welcome. We're back with another episode. And uh, as usual, your usual team at the microphone. I'm Chris and... And I'm Aid. Hi, folks. So... It's a bit of a special episode because we don't have like one central topic on this one. But uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, episode 22, it is a very fast moving field. Things happen left and right and that generates a lot of follow up stuff that comes in that relates to stuff we did in older episodes. And I thought we'd make this a follow up episode and just look at some new developments. Maybe we should call it new developments, actually, in <laughs> Maybe. Some, some of the areas because, yeah, it's moving. It's moving. It is moving. I, I have to say I'm a little bit nervous about this show because, you know, we, we talk quite freely um, and we talk, uh, and I've mentioned several times in the past, actually, it's nice to be able to predict the future and not have to worry about whether you're right or not. But we haven't had to actually address that yet because <laughs> we're still quite a fresh show. <laughs> so this this is, you know, and, and you think when you make these predictions, you think, oh, yeah, it'll be 12 months. It'll be two years. And by then, everybody have forgot that I, I talked all that nonsense. <laughs> well, I, I think to our credit, what I usually usual line is, uh, what does that mean for the future photography is mostly speculation and not firm predictions. That's, that's true. I'm, I'm and, trying and to a lot stay of the time away can, from that. Yes, and a lot of the time we do conclude that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but okay, so things happen and uh, I'm going to refer back to a few of the older episodes. Let's uh, kick this off with Skydio R1, the drone that we talked about, the fully autonomous drone that we talked about in episode 19. That and, sounded uh, so impressive. Well, it is impressive and that thing is really impressive. And what I linked to back then was a video from testit.com. They had, uh, yeah, pretty much a, an early test of that thing. Well, it was, it is released. You can buy it for two and a half thousand dollars. And it's that fully autonomous drone that, that we're using an AI on board and 12, uh, 12 cameras for navigation and for, for situational awareness, uh, is pretty much hard to crash it's hard to crash and they the the test they did back then was that uh you they they ran through a forest and the camera was following the runner and was ducking under twigs and going around tree trunks and stuff without crashing and still with a 13th camera which is on a gimbal and it shoots 4k uh still capturing uh the runner quite quite well and followed that and has different modes. One is the one where the camera stays in front of you. The one is where the camera orbits around you while following you. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting set of problems that that camera has to solve when it works. And the conclusion in episode 19, well, their conclusion that we reported in episode 19 was that this is revolutionary, which I think it still is. Um, but now they have done a much more in-depth test. And again, tested.com. They had that and they, they went out and they played with it a lot more. And then they came, come back with a conclusion. It's a pretty uh, long video. Let me check how long it is, I think. I haven't had the chance to watch this yet. but I, It's I'm, 15 I'm, minutes. They, so that's 15, very long for a YouTube video that tests something. And, <clears throat> uh, well, they come, they come back with the following conclusions. It's a very, very impressive drone it does what it says but it's not perfect 
So there's still areas where the drone is, um, yeah, can be fooled pretty much. And uh, they have a few cases that they demonstrate where they were out somewhere in nature and uh, the, the camera was tracking one of the, one of the two. And then the other one got in the path between the camera and the, the, the tracked person. And then the camera would latch on to another person, to that person now. Mm. And uh, then continue tracking that second person. Which well, hey, that still sounds, you know, that still sounds very impressive. At least it didn't start tracking a tree and fly into a cliff or something. <laughs> it didn't do that. One, one time it, 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 lost the, it lost the person, though, and uh, latched on to another person pushing a, a baby stroller. And then started following that in the in the other direction. <laughs> okay. So that so they had to get the little, phone out. Yeah. They had to get the phone out, start the app, and tell the drone to come back. Um, so then it's, it's a really hard problem that this thing has to solve. It has to follow that one person, and it, it, I think the way it tracks the person. I think what I remember is that it looks at the clothes mostly, which is those. If you have something bright on the top and something dark on the bottom, it will kind of look at that pattern and try to find that pattern. Right. And it might, it's, it's easy. I mean, you know, uh, you know that thing where you look at something and you see a face in it while there is no face. Oh, so yes, I'm sure I follow at least one Twitter feed called Faces in Things. <laughs> faces in Things. Uh, the the technical term is pareidolia, and it's. it's why shouldn't a, an AI-driven camera suffer from the same problem? <laughs> because it does that same thing. It does pattern recognition, and those patterns uh, it can can be fooled. So mm. that that's the one thing they found. It can be fooled most of the time. It works well, but uh, you have to be kind of uh, <laughs> you have to be um, ready to call it back using the app at least a few times. Um, the other thing they found is that yeah, the footage could be a bit more cinematic. You know. And that's, I think, one of the conclusions we had already that with the priority of follow, no, with the first priority of not crashing and the second priority of following that person, the third priority is make it smooth. So mm. it's, not, it's not the top priority because if it was, the camera would crash more. So making it smooth is only the third priority. Which makes perfect sense in the in the context of how it's being used, but it does also mean that uh, the footage is a, not as smooth as it should be. Sometimes. I would imagine though you could make you could have some workarounds for that. I mean, if you were shooting in a relatively open space where there was less work for the uh, crash avoidance systems right. to do, uh, you know, I I, I think you, you could. Uh, yeah, uh, that uh, that's that that sounds to me like genuine, but possibly slightly harsh criticism of a oh, first of generation of a first generation product. This sounds really promising to me. Well, the other thing is, and you know this from shooting video, when you shoot video handheld with a camcorder, with a with a DSLR, with your with your phone, then you you will shoot video, and a lot of it is shaky, and a lot of it is kind of framing things and then you get bumped and then so in the end when you edit you will only use those parts of the video that are smooth and that help you tell the story so you will throw away a lot of the footage especially at the edges of the footage at the beginning in the end of, uh, oh, of yeah, the filming yeah. so uh, of course that footage from that drone is totally perfectly usable because you will as an editor, you will make edit decisions and throw away stuff that is too jerky, for example. Um, another thing they found is that 
the, and they shot indoors at a at a basketball court is that of course the camera is doing a lot of things uh, the, the drone is doing a lot of things it's it's doing obstacle avoidance it is doing tracking of someone and uh and then if a basketball comes flying towards it it has a problem handling that one as well so <laughs> i'm sure it does. I, think, i think i'd have a problem handling a basketball right flying so me. so of course it's it's kind of um a fast flying object coming towards it so i think they managed to kick it out of the sky a couple of times with a basketball um but that is kind of expected that's a bit harsher as a test as well because in a basketball team everybody wears the same clothes i think they they did a more of a street basketball kind of thing oh, okay, <laughs> everyone was enough. wearing street clothes and uh Yeah, but again, of course, this will be more relevant if we look into a potential future where everyone is flying these drones all the time. So the drones will have to be aware of the other drones in the sky and not crash into those. Anyway, but I think that's a future. I'm not sure I want that kind of a future. No, no, no. We've talked about that before. It sounds it sounds pretty nasty, doesn't it? So let's hope they invent something else that stops that from needing to be happening. Right. But so, so I'm really keen. So, so if I have to say the uh, the the price is a bit of a barrier to entry for me. Oh, of but, course. Uh, um, the I'm not sure I could justify spending that much money on a drone. I don't have a drone at the moment, and especially not a first generation product. But I can see why it would be very, very interesting to people. So I wish them luck with that. Definitely. Yeah. And again, this is the first product out of a possibly a series of products that are only going to improve. In you, you'd, you'd hope so, but but I guess our next update um, is, is an example of where that didn't go quite according to plan. <laughs> well, okay, it? so going back to episode 15, next topic, uh, episode 15 of the future of photography, light field photography, where we talked about uh, Lytro, the company that kind of began making this mainstream or get this into into consumers' hands. And uh, then end of March, 21st of March, I think the news came out that Uh, or the rumor came out that Google might be buying Lytro. So that uh, has somewhat materialized. Actually, actually it, another news that preceded that was, um, and that was on March 14th, is that Google had done experiments with light fields. So Google I AR that, and VR, yeah. what they did is they put a camera array. Just, just imagine a row of GoPros next to each other. And then um, imagine that th those being on top of each other, forming like a column of GoPros. And now imagine bending that column in an, into an arc. And that thing is on a special system that then can rotate around and take kind of a sweep of, uh, of an environment. And it takes about a minute to do that. And then it creates this light field and it creates a VR representation of that that you can then kind of dive into with a VR headset and be part of that. And one of the experiments is, I think, in a shuttle or something or yeah. an airplane where you can then be kind of in that environment in 3D um, based on that light field, which is one of the uses for that we talked in uh, extensively about this in episode 15 so this was the first thing that came out google experimenting with that shortly followed by the rumor that google might be buying lytro for just something between 25 and 40 million dollars which doesn't sound too much and finally 
uh, just a few days ago before we're recording this um, end of March. Lytro is officially closing down. Yeah, so. this is a, this is a real shame. Um, I, I I really hope that they they'd be able to do something. Well, I mean, it, it's it's interesting though. It's it's is it really niche? This stuff. I don't know. I think at the moment it's niche. And you read these uh, these Google experiments. Um, Google, of course, at this point very well known for experimenting and also oh, we're having a with, lot of money to do we're having a lot of money well. but also but also quite um quite a reputation for um shutting things down if they're not working um and, and <laughs> yes. i know things that i know things that um uh, i know that there are products that they've closed down uh, where people where, where some of the users have been quite uh, you know um uh, quite emotional about that but but broadly speaking they 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 shut down the right things i think i've observed over the last 10 years or so but the f- from a distance of course but the uh, the the use of the light fields from that article that google posted about their experiment it seems that it's going to be the the use of the light field technology in a virtual reality setting um it, it seems to be they they think they can um, better represent the experience of how things move in your field of vision uh, at a distance uh, versus the uh, the close-up thing. So a sort of parallax kind of uh, thing and making that more realistic. But that seems to me to be incredibly niche. Um, you know, VR, I, I've, I've tried a bit of VR. I could take it or leave it, to be honest. <laughs> And I think that's what a lot of people have experienced with VR mm. to date. Um, and so I, I'd be intrigued. I hope they take this forward and I hope it's good. And I, it's a shame Lytro didn't succeed. I thought when they released the, uh, uh, the Illum product um, that that might be them getting towards mainstream availability of, of high quality products. But sadly, mm. it was never picked up by the market. Well, for for whichever reasons we have, I think uh, talked about this in our previous episode. But um, the, the the interestingly enough that we have no no real official confirmation yet. If really, if Google bought them, they've just shuttered. It's a very um, uh, it's a rumor, and I think it's it's quite substantiated. But um, the way it looks as well, the, 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 some 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 companies reported, like Verge, for example, reported that a large fraction of Lightroom's employees will be joining Google. So I think it's pretty clear. It sounds a bit like an acqui hire, you know, where they uh, acquire new talent for their own yeah. purposes. Mm. Uh, also, some of the Lightroom assets will be uh, become part of Google, as in patents and things. So uh, it could be, it could well be that. Lytro is, is completely shutting down its own products and uh, technology and people will become part of Google. I think we'll find out. Um, the, the Petapixel writes, what Lytro's demise means for the future of consumer light field cameras remains to be seen. Okay, so in the they, short term, have, it's probably fair to say there'll be fewer consumer-grade light field cameras. Well, uh, Lightroom went completely industrial anyway a while ago without uh, we're completely leaving the consumer market. So mm. let's find let's 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 wait. Well, let's wait this out. Um, okay, next topic, episode eleven. Remember our unsupervised image-to-image translation networks episode. That was the one where some researchers did, uh, well, came up with algorithms where they could take photos from like a summer setting and turn them into winter photos. 
Uh, yes, by, I by do, and that, and and they were even starting to do it with video as well, weren't they? And, and uh, they did video as well, but it had it had artifacts and things. Uh, along those lines comes uh, fast photo style, which is a new L AI algorithm that is now has been released or published or whatever by an Nvidia. These are the guys who used to be. Mainly graphics cards, but now have a lot of AI processing going on on the GPUs, and, and they uh, and they were behind the technology we talked about in that earlier show as well, weren't they? Right, and they are also behind, like um, I think Nvidia is also inside Teslas to help with the uh, with the autopilot AI and things like that. So um, Nvidia and the University of California Merced have uh, come up with a seemingly new algorithm uh, where they do something similar. They call this fast photo style, which is uh, transferring one photo's style to another. So they have some examples there where you have like a, I don't know, a, a building on a, on a, a black and white photo of an old building and a color photo of new buildings. And then they make this old building photo look like it was a new photo in the same style of the other photo or t turning day into night photos or turning uh, summer photos into winter photos. So they're doing something similar there. But they claim it's a new algorithm. It's faster. They uh, claim it is um, split splitting up the task into separate steps they have a stylization step where the style of a reference photo will be transferred to the content photo and then there's a smoothing step that helps make things photorealistic by um, and i'm quoting encouraging spatially consistent stylations uh, st <laughs> stylizations, stylizations that sounds lovely but i have no idea what it means but I'm sure really. of... look at the look at the website there's also a paper um that you can read like a scientific paper with a uh, lots of formulas in it. So that scared me quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, my maths wouldn't be up to that either. But but no, I did looking at this. It it's um it it's it's really interesting. It continues to be really interesting. Um, and it sounds like this is almost you know uh, if an algorithm is a product, this is almost the second generation product along this uh, along this stream, isn't it? Um, it. it and, and if they can make things, you know, an order of magnitude faster, which is what they're saying they can. That's um, their, that's one of their claims that they, that their algorithm is like uh, 60 times faster than the state of the art method at this point. That, that, that's quite something. And you know? so, um, so, so we are, we're looking at this potentially becoming real time. So you, you don't have to put, put the, put the, put your photos or video into an algorithm, wait for however long and then get them out. But you could, possibly do this in real time yeah so do you know what this this is this appeals to the lazy photographer in me you know um uh, because i can go out in the middle of the day and take a lovely landscape shot get home put it on my computer and turn it into a sunrise <laughs> exactly <laughs> and if, that's and if, so, and if somebody can just uh, uh, have uh, uh, an ad mist ad, ad dawn mist algorithm then then i'll be done thanks <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so um, one thing I would like you to click on, it's kind of along those lines, there's a link uh, to, uh, again, if we talked about this in episode 11, it's still about this image to image translation, and uh, someone is doing visual poetry using real-time image translation framework, so there is real-time there, and someone is turning this into art, there's this guy. Um, <clears throat> okay, so um, I am, look, I've clicked on the link. Okay. Wow, okay. 
just start that first video on that web page and you will you will see what what he's doing just watch it uh, turn down the sound and just watch the, okay. watch the pictures so you have a before and after picture and um what what that guy does is he uses a Uh, one of these image translation networks that he trained on something. So in that case, he trained one on a video of the sea. So you have the sky, you have the sea in the, in the AI network. And then he uses some other video where he uses some cloth that he moves on a table and the translation makes this into a rough sea and a sky above it. Why? Wow, it does, so, yeah. So he's, he's making this into art. And if you forward a bit in the network, he has like a, a I don't know, a, a charger of like a, like a phone charger, the black phone charger that he puts on top of that cloth. And then that turns into a rock in the, in the remaining, in, into the resulting image. Or he trained a network on uh, being able to, to translate something into fire. So he all of a sudden has fiery hands And he's, it's pretty, uh, pretty artsy kind of thing. But um, if you go to about the two minute mark, you can see that uh, he's, he uses a network that is trained on flowers. So yeah. just, just with the hands in front of the camera, that is, oh, and by the way, looking at that hand, it could be that I'm talking about a she. I didn't even look at the name. <laughs> I assumed it was a guy. That was very bad of me, but... Um, so you see the hand moving in the in the original video, and next to it you see the, the you see flowers appearing out of seemingly nothing, and it's it's really beautiful. And and do we know if this is happening in in, in real, real time. time? This is happening in real time. So that, that is astonishing, and it, it looks great. And when some of the items are left to be slightly um, uh, left to be stationary in the image frame so the phone charger or the car key um then the the uh the algorithm is creating something that looks uh very very much like flowers um uh, when they're moving slightly less so but still very interesting art the the one with the sea was in really interesting so you know uh, with having what looked to be a, a a light a simple piece of light blue cloth on a table representing the sky and then a standard yellow duster representing <laughs> yes. the sea <laughs> You know, um, uh, you know, moving those around and in real time that's being created into, uh, do you know what the aesthetic reminds me of? Uh -huh. um, do you know the uh, the movie of The Snowman? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, the, of the course. Si the silent movie of The Snowman, the uh, which is, I guess you could, uh, it's animation with coloured pencils, or that, at least that's what it's always I, like. I think I, I know that, that one, yes. Uh, Raymond, what was his name? Ray Raymond, uh, Raymond Briggs, I think. Was that Raymond Briggs? May have been, anyway. Um, but it's it's that kind of uh, slightly jittery but very artistic animation that, it, that this algorithm has been tuned to provide. That's That's awesome. I like that a lot. Oh, by the way, I was right in assuming it was a guy, and I think now, now I remember because on his info page he says uh, his name is Memo Atkin, and he is uh, from Istanbul, currently based in Sussex, UK, and uh, there's a photo of him. So oh, yeah, right. just just so, down the road from me, then Sussex, not too far. Anyway, so th that's the art, the art aspects of image to image. I, I find this really interesting because it really shows that we're not only looking at Uh, a future where that technology will make photography better, but there is completely new art forms emerging, and that is, I think, just wonderful. 
Absolutely. One more thing. I have wow. one more thing that just recently came up and it has to do with an ad. And uh, we look into the future of photography and we look often look into, well, using computers and AI to artificially generate stuff. And um, one thing that just a short while ago came out is an ad by Apple for their HomePod, this, their new cylinder that you talk to. And um, they have this. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this ad where they uh, there's this this woman. I think it's in a small apartment. She is very tired, but then she 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 lies down on her sofa and then starts to dream. And all of a sudden, the apartment changes, and you can see like uh, she, she and she's a dancer. So she now has the music playing from the home pod and she starts to dance and she starts to push walls to the side and the whole apartment stretches out. So you see, um, it looks very digital, you know, it, it looks very CGI. She, she's pushing the wall and all of a sudden there's a corridor and the lights are stretched out. And if you, if you go to the link that I pasted there, you can see this in the bottom frame pretty much. Uh, it's, it's like, like, it looks like digital artifacts and it's very, very, uh, I, I think it's a cool video. It's a beautiful kind of thing. And she makes this apartment into like a stage. And then in the end, she falls back down on her sofa and she's back to her small apartment. But she made this, the music and so it's a, it's a very kind of touching story. Um, and the video, I looked at that, I watched that for the first time and was really kind of, wow, that's a, Good piece of work, and they they hired Spike Jones to do this for them, so they have that name connected to it. And uh, what just recently emerged is a behind-the-scenes video where you can see how they did all this. And interestingly enough, is that almost everything in the video is practical effects. So they built an apartment on a stage that has hydraulics and mechanics behind it, and people pushing levers and pulling levers to stretch things out to move things to make this so this is entire almost the entire thing apart from a few areas is not cgi it's real practical effects and i think a lot of that is still being done practically because it has a different feeling to it, it has a different aesthetic to it so i think I, I think it's important to remember that the the future of photography is not just about computational stuff no you, it's not yeah, it's uh, when, when we were talking in the last show about extracting f photos from videos, and you, you very kindly acknowledged that sometimes the, the photographer has a, 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 a part to play and that you have to choose <laughs> what to point the camera at. <laughs> it's still pretty much mainly the case. And and I think, but it, but it's true. I mean, I I've recently um, I recently got uh, a new instant f uh, camera, instant ph photography camera. So this is uh, it shoots uh, the square Fuji Instax film. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually a Lomography camera, so it's it's not the the uh, part digital, part analog one that Fuji make. It's actually a purely analog camera. So you put your pack of film in the back of it and you shoot instant photography so it's um, all analog it's all analog and it's brilliant and <laughs> and i you know and uh they're, they're definitely the there definitely is uh, a progress that's being made in in analog photography you know we've seen the the relaunch of some films recently last year lots and lots of new films were were, were released 
but we're seeing new cameras coming through as well. Um, and, you know, not obviously at the rate of digital stuff and, and not at the rate of computational stuff with the iteration speeds of you know mobile phones and stuff like that. But it's still there. And it's quite heartening to see that people are still actually building things in the real world and and uh, and using those to make their, their effects rather than just uh, using CGI. So, yeah, it's good. I like that. So the future, indeed. the future of photography is analog. People remember that. <laughs> <laughs> the future of the photography is whatever anybody wants it to be. This is the thing. so you, you and I both sit in this position where we have we have this show. You, you, you have others, and we both also do analog photography shows. And uh, so, so we we exist. Both of us exist in both worlds, in a sense, don't we? Or at the uh, sort of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes, we and do. And so it, it's nice when you see uh, that. Uh, that the, the analog world is is still alive and kicking. Um, yeah, recently at the photography show uh, in Birmingham in the UK, uh, two of the bi- the busiest stands were the Fuji Instax stand and the Lomography stand. Yeah, there's huge communities building up around those, and and every year they they're bigger and they have more stuff. So uh, yeah, it's 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 good. The few, so I think the few- we can we can conclude that technology is not everything. No, no, there's still some place for creativity. Uh, st- and for there's still a place yeah. in the creativity chain for humans. <laughs> so. All right. So I think with that, we'll wrap up this follow-up episode. I hope it was interesting for you. I found it fascinating to see some of the developments and we'll keep track of everything, of course, and bring updates as they come in in future episodes. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 